Lampard didn't like homeless people very much. E-I-E-I-O. Yes, this is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a very, very wet England. I'm floating away down the hill. Uh, I should probably just turn into a duck or something. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your... Cheerios breakfast cereal, let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Good morning, everyone signing into the chat room. My big news... My daughter has finally consistently landed the elusive double axle. You have to be a figure skater to appreciate what an incredible feat that is. Hopefully there'll be slightly fewer bruises and I will not be getting phone calls from the social services or anything like that anytime soon. It's that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest, to buy tickets and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. And Maggie saying congratulations to your daughter. It, it, it's, uh, it's even been captured. It's been captured on video. I may even have to share it. I'm so excited. Um, but yes, it is so wet. I, I swear we're all going to end up with you know webbed feet or something by the end of this winter, the rate it's going. But... Yes, here is the news. Old MacDonald, you can probably tell where this is going. Uh, rather embarrassing um, story that has hit the news over here. Um, homelessness in Britain has become really, really serious. It's um, a, lot, a lot of factors, a lot of factors, breakdown of families, the economic crisis, all sorts of things have happened to allow this to have the situation to happen. I mean, there's always been a big homelessness problem in London, particularly the big cities are usually uh, the most vulnerable. However, it's noticeable that the numbers are going up and up and no one really seems to have very much in the way um, uh, in, in the way of a solution. However, there was an outcry, you know, as the, the, evenings get colder you know people are aware that things are getting more and more difficult for people living out of doors there's a, a mcdonald's in london and i know which one it is it's in victoria very close to westminster cathedral in fact just around the corner from westminster cathedral i used to pass it every day when i worked at archbishop's house and you do get um homeless people particularly near the vicinity of churches because obviously people will get them cups of tea and whatever. Anyway, a security guard for McDonald's was seen kicking a homeless man's belongings away and drenching them with water. The homeless man could be heard saying, please leave me alone uh, before getting treated like this and drenched. Passers-by complained to the security guard saying, no, that's outrageous behaviour, it's out of order, bang out of order, as we say over here, disgusting, leave the man alone. Um, McDonald's has apologised. The security guard has been permanently removed 
And because, of course, the whole thing, as always happens now, the thing was filmed and then it, it went viral. McDonald's has apologised and they have also um, replaced his bedding, his, his sleeping bag and his blankets. Uh, so it's um, it's a way of just trying to make amends. But it hit a nerve with me because there was a big homelessness problem in Cambridge when I was there. Um, and one of the many difficulties was there were homeless shelters, but because of the legal situation, the owners of the shelters could not take any homeless people in who were on drugs because if they were caught, if the police raided and found that drugs were being dealt on the premises, then the owners of the shelter would go to prison. And this actually happened. It was outrageous. This Christian couple went to prison because uh, two people were caught dealing drugs on the premises. They weren't even aware of it. Um, and unfortunately, about at the time, about 90% of homeless people um, in Cambridge had some kind of addiction problem, either drugs or drink. So they could not get help. And I remember once seeing, uh, I was out with somebody and um, this was the only time I think we ever did have dinner. Uh, he took a coin out of his pocket and deliberately dropped it in front of the homeless man. He wanted to give it to him, but rather than putting it in his hand, he just dropped it on the floor. And I was so embarrassed. It was such an insulting thing to do. It was almost worse than not giving him anything. And I rushed forward, picked up the coin and put it in the homeless man's hand and said, I'm terribly sorry. Um, and he just smiled and went, it's okay, love, it's okay. Um, and I went away and I said, what did you do that for? He said, oh, I don't know. I just got embarrassed, I suppose. Um, and it, it did make me very aware because I used to pass homeless people every day that they were in an incredibly vulnerable position. You know, people um, people were very nasty to them at times. They, many of them, the majority said that they had been assaulted in some way. So when I saw this, I just thought, this is really outrageous and, and good for McDonald's for actually stepping in, apologising, dealing with the situation and trying to make amends. Um Oh, uh, Denise, I'm saying congrats to Fran Francesca, or was it Natalia? It was Francesca, yes. Natalia is currently battling with the single axle and hopes to get it soon. Um, the double axle is fiendishly difficult. It's one of those jumps that the majority of skaters never get, and it's frequently under-rotated, and, um, and there are falls and things in competition. So this is a big, this is a big moment. Um, Philip is saying, sorry, we don't have a job for you, but please accept the Ronald McDonald sleeping bag. Well, quite. I mean, given how many people McDonald's um, employ, I did wonder whether they might have been able to perhaps find the poor bloke a job. Um, he said he'd been on the street since he was a teenager, which sounds like he was kicked out of his family home. Uh, that, that would have been a really nice end to it. Um, but you know, it was it was shameful and I, I think quite embarrassing, frankly, that, that that should have happened on the streets of London. So, well... Good on McDonald's for at least making some attempt to sort it out. It is National Underdog Day. Don't we all love an underdog? Is there anyone who doesn't feel a certain affinity with the underdogs of this world? Philip, what is this? Is this is this your machine? What is this? It looks it looks very um very large. What is that? Um Yes indeed. The underdog. Oh the only double axle I'm familiar with. <laughs> I was like, what are you 
you show me a photograph of two tyres for double axle? Yes. Now, this is Axel, A-X-E-L. I'm assuming that Mr. Axel was the person who invented it. Most skating jumps are named after people like the Lutz or the... Um, well, actually, probably the flip isn't. I'm just guessing that's the shape of it. Um, we don't know anything about Mr. Lutz. The Lutz jump is extremely unpopular among skaters. It's very, very difficult and very annoying. Um, the sad thing is, all I was able to ascertain about Mr. Lutz, who invented the Lutz jump, was that he was Austrian and he obviously died during the First World War. He was a young man and died in his early 20s, and I think it was 1917. So I'm afraid he was that generation. Aha! Dr. Torres, complete collector's edition, underdog. There's actually a cartoon character called underdog. You see, I think we all have a natural affinity for the underdog because we, we tend to sympathise with the person who works really hard and is a really good bloke but never quite gets there. You know, there's, there's never quite makes it. I think that's why Ron in Harry Potter is a very endearing character in the books, if not in the um, in the films, because he is exactly that character. He's in the shadow of the famous Harry Potter. He's Yes, he's not got the celebrity status that Harry has. He's not got the intelligence and the brilliance of Hermione, but he's a good lad and he works hard and he, he never is going to quite make the first 11 and nobody's ever going to notice him, but he's there and he's loyal and he tries. I think it's a particularly British thing to be very, um, very, feel very close to underdogs. If you look at, say, Eddie the Eagle, there's been a film made about him. There have been books written about him. This is a man who came last all over the place, who was, in fact, an extraordinarily unsuccessful ski jumper. But there is just something about a bloke who says... I can jump that, I can do that, who just never gives up and really has a good try, um, that just makes him very attractive. He was never going anywhere near a gold medal. But it, it's interesting to me that we tend to celebrate the the ones who try and don't quite get there more than the winners. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. Maybe it really isn't a bad thing that that's the case. So, indeed, under is, is there an underdog in your life? Is there someone, you know, someone in your life, you know, who just really tries and it just doesn't quite happen? I'm seeing it is also National Wear Your Pearls Day. Oh, I say how civilised. It's also International Tea Day. Wear your pearls and have a nice cup of tea. Yes, that sounds that sounds quite um, and, and have a cupcake. Lots of good things to celebrate today. Um, does anyone wear pearls anymore? Does that even happen? I always associate pearls, you know, chokers, with sort of old ladies. Um, does anyone wear pearls? Anyone could admit that they wear pearls? If any gentleman in the chat room admit they wear pearls, they're very brave indeed. But International Tea Day is definitely something worth celebrating. It's also National Ugly Christmas Sweater Day, or Christmas Jumper, as we would call it here. No, there is just no reason to wear something like that. My my son wanted me to buy him a, um, a sort of an alternative Christmas jumper. Um, you know the way you you get the Christmas sweaters with all you know Father Christmas on them and snowmen and cutesy stuff like that and ho ho ho. Well, in recent years there's been a line of sort of alternative Christmas sweaters for usually for boys who really don't want to have to dress up like Christmas trees. And 
There's one you can get, which is black and grey stripes instead of red and white stripes with Merry Christmas, you filthy animal on the front. And apparently it's, it's connected with the Home Alone, the gangster film he's watching. He says, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal, and, and sprays him with bullets. So this has become a Christmas jumper for boys who don't want to muck in with, you know, Christmas puddings and tinsel and stuff like that. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not buying him one, but it's an interesting idea. Um, oh, here we go. Maggie saying, in the South, pearl necklaces are still a big thing for the older, rich Southern ladies. Okay. Um, now, this is very interesting. Jacqueline is saying the high school girls actually have pearls as part of their dress uniform. Um, in what way? A pearl necklace or is it embroidered into the embroidered into the uniform? That's very interesting. Um, I always wince slightly even at the word pearls because um, when I got married, um, a very dear friend offered to make my dress for me. She had no idea what she was letting herself in for. The dress itself was quite was plain but beautifully elegant. She, she's a she's a wonderful dressmaker, but you're know, quite straightforward. No embellishments at all. That's just a very striking plain white satin dress with a lace jacket, Maltese lace, as a nod to my Maltese history. And it's it was a lovely. I mean, the lace was beautiful, but it was it had hundreds and hundreds of tiny pearls embroidered into it and of course I didn't think twice not being a dressmaker I thought oh, that's pretty and bought her a nice bolt of it and she said she had to remove and re-stitch I think it was 129 pearls when she was making this jacket because of having to cut through the seam you know, to make the seams 129 pearls tiny things that she had to remove and restitch. It took her hours. So um, when she said, "I don't suppose I could use the leftover lace uh, to make a um, a baptismal robe for my granddaughter," I said, yeah, "Take it, take it. You've earned that Maltese lace. Have it." Um, oh, so it's a necklace. Jacqueline said, "Gosh, that is so civilized. I have never ever come across that in any school uniform ever. I mean, anything that you wear around your neck. That's that's really impressive." Um, here we go. Uh, Maggie is saying it's the, the ones that can casually sit on their back patio drinking sweet tea while the lawn man manicures the lawn for them. That's kind of the image I have of ladies who wear pearls. Philip is saying, I do have tea this morning, but I shan't be clutching my pearls. <laughs> OK, that's kind of a relief. Thank you. Um, Maggie saying, I personally love a beautiful pearl necklace, but not the massive gaudy ones, but a pretty dainty one. Yes, I think I would agree with you. Yes. Um, Dr. Torres is reminding me, remember though, Harry was the underdog in the real world, only at Hogwarts. And in the Wizarding World, was he the overdog or was he the underdog uh, to he whose name must not be spoken? That's true, of course, he is the underdog in the real world, isn't he? He's living in the cupboard under the stairs and all of the rest, not getting any attention. Yes, you're right about that. I hadn't seen it that way. It's 24 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And it's that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest, to buy tickets and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. We are talking about the McDonald's security guard who 
drenched a homeless man's blankets in water and kicked, a, kicked away his belongings, and National Underdog Day, and also National Wear Your Pearls Day. Does anyone wear pearls? It seems that that is the case. We do. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, the Weasleys were my favourites in the Potter movies. I know, I know, the exorcist, Father Ripperger, uh, Ripperger says all that wizardry is not good to watch. I saw them long before I heard of... Well, I think... Um, the, the only concern I had about Harry Potter um, is that my daughter said she went to a, a faith camp one summer and someone there told her that J.K. Rowling used actual black magic, magic words for the curses... Um, I mean, she actually used real, real expressions. Um, I don't know if that is the case. And that does concern me because I suspect someone like J.K. Rowling, you know, they're just words. It wouldn't occur to her that words have any significance. Whereas for the rest of us, words have a great deal of significance. And she could have just made up spells. Nobody would have known. Um, I'm not convinced that watching films with witches and wizards has ever really turned anyone against the faith. I mean, I grew up with the worst witch books and I loved them. It was it was a kind of precursor to the Harry Potter stories. It was about a, um, a witch boarding school. It, it was boarding schools with broomsticks, frankly. It was just a boarding school story. And we loved it and we all wore pointy hats and pretended to fly on broomsticks and pretended to make spells using pencils as wands. And we thought it was absolutely wonderful. We all wanted to be Mildred Hubble, who is also an underdog. Um, I can't honestly say it had any spiritual effect on me. I, of, of, all the, of all the awful details of childhood that could turn a child against the faith, that really wasn't very far, far up on the list, if it were on the list at all. Um, I loved the Weasleys because you so rarely get big families portrayed positively in modern literature, if they're portrayed at all. And that was the thing I loved about them. You know, they, they are the classic big family. One suspects there's a an Irish um, background there just because they're all redheads. One gets the impression that's a nod to a possible Irish background. And they never have any money. They all wear secondhand gowns and have secondhand wands and things. And the rich boys turn their noses up, but they love one another and they have this jolly, noisy family home where Harry is able to become a part of a family. I, I find that very beautiful, in fact, in terms of the the depiction of family life, I think is is surprisingly positive and accurate because it really is that chaotic. Um, oh, Dr. Torres, don't forget the watercress sandwiches. Watercress sandwiches? Hmm. Not sure about watercress sandwiches. Egg and watercress? No, thank you. Cucumber sandwiches, definitely. Philip is saying, how did sweaters become jumpers? Jumpers over here are more of a young girl's school uniform where the skirt and top are connected. I would understand pullover, but jumper sounds more like pants. Um, yes, we say pullover as well. Yes, nice. I have no idea why we call sweaters jumpers over here. I don't know where, where that originates. Um, maybe it was just it was more casual wear, jumping about. I don't know. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just trying to guess. Um I've heard pullover almost as much, and, e and even sweater sometimes. Though sweater, I tend to think of sweatshirt, which is slightly different. The material is different. They're not made of wool. Um, Jacqueline's saying, oh, my pu puppy cuddles in the morning. There's nothing like it. Oh, you're so lucky. You little lovely puppies. Oh, Maggie O'Connell. Those are, gosh, that's quite some um, 
some pearls on a young woman. Maggie's saying a lot of young southern ladies have taken the old school single pearl strand and done this to modernise the pearl necklace. Okay, it's interesting. It's interesting that they've they've taken that and it's it's become part of modern fashion. Um, Jacqueline, oh little puppies, they're so sweet. Nothing can go wrong if you've got puppies in the house. It's just adorable. My poor little dog was cold this morning. It is so wet. I mean, I know I know it's a kind of British thing to moan about the weather. It is so wet, um, and we found we found little dog. He's in his Christmas jumper, sweater, whatever you want to pull over. Um, it's green and red and has ho, ho, ho all over it. And um, even so, he was still cold because being a very little dog, he does feel the cold. And we found him buried under Francesca's duvet, shivering. Um, Dr. Torres, speaking of family, let's turn to Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie for the very reason it takes place on Christmas Eve at the company Christmas party. While McLean is estranged from his wife, the tale ends with family reunification and the movie ends with a Christmas song, Let It Snow. Oh, Die Hard, just the title makes me think I wouldn't like it, but that sounds like it could be my kind of a film. Um, Philip is saying, I've always wanted one of those thick Irish wool sweaters. Yes, I I find real wool a bit itchy, actually. Oh, no, Maggie's saying, no, you wouldn't like Die Hard. Okay, thank you. Thank, I, I, I don't know, just the title itself just makes me think, no, thank you. Um, Dr. George Singh McLean's wife is also named Holly. Hello. Yes, that's not really at all subtle, is it? Um, yes, wool sweaters, I, I don't know. I, they look wonderful, but I prefer them to, have to be a mix because I just find them too prickly otherwise. Um, that's just my feeling. I'm probably just a wimp who's a bit too used to synthetic materials or something like that. Um, also on this day, besides pearls and... Oh, Jacqueline said our students went to a nursing home to sing on Wednesday. I think that's lovely. You know, we used to do that when I was in the Brownie Guides and when I was at school. And I always used to think, I bet they're hating this. Um, but, you know, um, my husband's granny was, she was uh, in a, a Catholic nursing home towards the end. She had dementia, St. Teresa's. And the children from the local Catholic school used to go and sing for them, not just Christmas carols, but they'd go and sing at different times of the year. And, you know, she loved it. She really, really loved it. It meant so much to her. And what I do remember as a child going into one of those nursing homes and singing was seeing an old lady starting to join in. She sat glassy-eyed for about the first 10, 15 minutes. And then suddenly she started to join in. And one of the nurses said it was the first time she had communicated at all in months. There was something about hearing songs she remembered from her childhood that triggered a memory, did something. And suddenly she's singing along. They said it was just worth it just to see that. It was miraculous. Um, oh, there they are. Our students went to nursing. There's the picture. That is beautiful. No, I have no doubt that they have made a lot of elderly people very, very happy doing that. Really precious. And Maggie's reminding me, it is International Tea Day. Come on now, what is your favourite tea? If you're not a tea drinker, please become a tea drinker. Do you go for the English breakfast tea? Always a good place to start. 
Do you uh, like Earl Grey or Redbush tea or green tea or peppermint tea? Are you one of these weird herbal tea fanatics? Um, do you do you do milk or lemon in your tea? Now, there's something worth asking about. And if you do milk, are you a member of the pre-lactarian heresy or do you add it afterwards? These are important issues, really important issues to discuss. So please stay tuned so we can talk about International Tea Day and the correct way to make a cup of tea on the understanding that if there's any dispute, I will be right. Just saying. Anyway, we need to go to an ad break now on that happy note. Good morning, Lady Bellarine. Thank you for signing in. Uh, just about made the first segment, but don't worry, you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. And you are listening to the early show. Our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to me, do join the conversation about tea and underdogs and rain and everything else. The early show will continue in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. and insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us i think i've got a migraine coming on you're listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond fiorella de maria our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the crusader stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward
forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation as you enjoy an abstemious Friday breakfast. What on earth was that racket? Can anyone tell me what that was? Anyway, it is that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest, to get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. And if you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We've been talking about McDonald's issuing an apology to a homeless man after one of their security guards drenched his blankets with water and kicked his belongings out of the way and generally behaved in an absolutely despicable way. It is also National Underdog Day, just in case that blast of noise you were just assailed by and did not make that quite clear. It is an International Tea Day, where your Pearls Day, Cupcake Day and really terrible Christmas jumper day. In the chat room, I was asking, what is your favourite tea? Um, Jacqueline was saying, uh, when my father-in-law was in a nursing home, he was completely non-verbal from a stroke. But when we started singing Christmas carols, he was able to join in. There is just something, isn't there, about the power of music. Um, I still know all the popular songs from the Second World War. I learned them all. When I worked in a nursing home, I learned them all because all the old ladies, it was almost all old ladies, few old men, at the nursing home, they were that generation. And so I learned every single word. And it really helped. It, it genuinely did help. Um, and the grandfather of a friend of mine had been a concert pianist and composer. Towards the end of his life, his mental faculties were completely in place, but he went blind. He had the, um, the degeneration, the macular degeneration, and he still remembered every note of every piano concerto he had learned during his life. And so they got him a piano and he spent hours every day playing the great works by Mozart, Beethoven, you name it, he had them all under his fingers. He just sat there and played all from memory. They said it was just beautiful. Dr. Torres saying, London Fog from Starbucks is your favourite tea. Two Earl Grey tea bags steeped in half hot water and half steamed 2% milk with five or six pumps of vanilla. That is not what you do with Earl Grey. It should be drunk black, unadulterated by anything. There we are, just saying. Maggie, oh, that's beautiful. Lovely pictures here. A little girl called um, Annalise that attends our church. Her mother takes her once a week to the YMCA where she simply hangs out with her best friends. There's an elderly group that meets up once a week. She just recently had a birthday and guess where she wanted to have it? At the YMCA with her best friends. And there they are. And there she is with her cake and being hugged. Oh, that's so sweet. That really is so, so pretty. That's Annalise. Um, Denise, I'm saying, how awesome and what a gift to those folks. Maggie is saying, none of those people in the photos are her actual family. Such a precious little sweetheart. What a, what a lovely little girl. No, she, just, she looks like a lovely girl and she's clearly bringing so much joy to so many people. 
Philip is saying I have a good sized travel mug so I've been using two bags of Irish breakfast it was on sale and one bag of blackberry fruity herbal tea for flavour with a little honey um, that's an interesting combination I'm not so fond of berry teas myself but yes I can see how that would work Good morning, Paul C. Drinking tea as well. Tazo Awake breakfast tea. Black tea, delicious. And I had a set of underdog sheets on my bed as a kid. We never had underdog, the, the cartoon character in this, in Britain. Didn't come over from the States. Oh, see, that was a theme song to TV cartoon underdog. OK, got it. Right. That now makes perfect sense. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I tell you what, we did have a sort of underdog character. There was um, a children's cartoon in the 80s. It was very popular called Super Ted. And it always started every time before the opening credits, it would start with the backstory of Super Ted, that he was just an ordinary teddy bear in the teddy bear factory. But when um, he was being quality controlled, Something was found to be wrong. So he was dropped into a chute and sent down to the depths with all the other broken and rejected toys. But then a fairy came and gave him magic powers and he became Super Ted. So he was an underdog who became a superhero. There you go. Um, yes, Denny Sam saying what a memory that song brings back saturday morning with milk and cookies there we are okay dr torres has given a list of his favorite cartoon dogs who can add to this list underdog droopy deputy dog do you know i have not heard of any of those muttley yes i remember dustedly and muttley because my nickname was muttley uh, in some quarters um i won't say why chester and spike no charlie dog no never heard of him droopy is probably my favorite the King Dude. What kind of person doesn't like Underdog? He saves the damsels in distress. I just have never, I never happen to have seen it. I have never come across this character in my entire life. Um, Jeffy Mann loved watching Underdog as a kid. Lady Bellarmine said that intro music was the theme song to Underdog. It was a cartoon that used to be on years ago. Okay. The King Dude. Fiorella Files is truly a music scrooge. Listen... I am not being a music scrooge, but since I don't have the cultural reference points, it just sounds like a lot of very weird noise. Um, Philip said, did you just say migraine? Yes. Um, it's, I gather you say migraine. It's technically migraine because it comes from the Latin, but let's not split hairs. Um, Dr. Torres, get the bums off the street and stop leaving it to citizens to deal with it. Look, there are an awful lot of people on the streets in Britain who have just, they have just hit upon hard times. I personally think that it's not the economic crisis that's the real problem. I think it's the breakdown of families. It's really noticeable that you virtually never get an Asian person on the streets. I was talking to an Iranian friend recently who works for a homeless charity and he said it is just very, very noticeable. They had one Asian bloke. Uh, who, who was on the streets and they, he got so much attention because they were fascinated to know how he ended up on the streets because it just never happens. You know, some cultures will never allow one of their own to end up in the gutter like that. Um, however hard it is, you know, you'll go and sleep on, on the sofa of your auntie or someone. You know, there will be someone who will take you in. Um, but my children were very distressed years ago, the first time they ever saw a homeless person. He was very young. I don't think he was out of his teens. And 
they they were genuinely very distressed because he did look really quite little and very very vulnerable and i said to them look i can't make you many promises in life but i promise you whatever happens you will always have a bed to sleep in and food on the table in my house whatever happens you just come home always come home but i'm afraid for many young people in particular there is no home where they feel safe um philip aha this is the christmas jumper oh my my uh, what, what what is all the different characters are they um are they significant in some way all the different people Jeffy Mann, Snoopy, my favourite cartoon dog. I love Snoopy. Snoopy is the best. He is my absolute favourite. I think, in fact, he is my favourite cartoon dog of all. Love Snoopy so much. Um, my youngest child used to do Snoopy impressions. It was absolutely adorable. Because, of course, the new films have brought Snoopy to a new generation. It's wonderful. Um, Philip, my Wu-Tang... Christmas jumper. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Dr. Torres. I'm not prepared to even repeat that comment. I'm, I'm just not prepared to read it out on, on air. Okay. Um, just, just, just let it go. Um, it is 53 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com. And it's that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas. To take part in the contest to buy your tickets and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes, go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the sound bite and call in. Here we are, Droopy. Okay, Droopy the doggy. We're talking. We've, so we've ended up talking about cartoon dogs because National Underdog Day. Now that's funny, Dr. Torres, because um, I remember, I remember that that picture. I remember a dog called Droopy, but I just I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever watched it. But somehow it just is ringing a bell with me. I just do not believe he could be better than Snoopy. I can't believe any dog, any cartoon dog could be better than Snoopy. Surely not. Um, cartoon bear, Paddington bear, anytime. But Snoopy is the favourite doggy ever. And favourite cartoon action hero by a long way is Danger Mouse. Definitely Danger Mouse. But anyway, moving on just a little. We have some good news. Um some some good and bad news here. There's not a lot of good news at the moment, particularly not for the government. Um, however, there was a, a heartwarming story that just uh, recently a boy was found who had been missing for six years. Alex Batty went missing six years ago from his home in Oldham in the north of England. He was found in France. He was taken on holiday with his mother and grandfather. This is unfortunately a very typical way of, of how children do go missing. It appears that the mother wanted to have an alternative lifestyle and took him with her and he was not heard of again. 
It was extremely distressing for the rest of his family. They had no idea where he was. Just that they went on a pre-agreed week-long holiday to Marbella in Spain, very popular holiday destination for Brits, and never returned. The mother said yes. She was. She didn't want Alex to go to school. She wanted to join him. Him to join her in a, um, in a commune. Um, I find it interesting because her surname is Caruana, which is, um, well, it's a Maltese name, but I suppose maybe it could also be a Spanish name. And the person who found him also had a Maltese name, Remy Buhajar. But I'm sure that's just coincidental. He was found wandering. Um, he had a backpack on. He'd been wandering through the hills of the Pyrenees for days. And a man was driving past in his car, noticed him walking alone, noticed he was very young. Um, but hours later, when he was driving back, he passed him again. He said it was raining very heavily and he made a decision to pull over and speak to the boy. And he gave him water because he was very dehydrated. And initially the boy didn't want to talk to him. He was very shy. But after they'd worked out that the, the man had worked out that... Um, the, the boy spoke English as his first language. They chatted and he explained what had happened, that he'd run away from some kind of alternative community and he was trying to find a big city with an embassy where he could get some help. So his rescuer contacted the French authorities who were able to help him. And he's now 17 and he's being supported by the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office and hopefully will be returned home, which is what he wants. He wants to go home to England. But missing children are always such a distressing story because in many cases they are never found. And I think for his family, they have spent six years of torture wondering what happened to him. And to be told he's alive, he's well, and he's coming home just before Christmas, that must be the greatest gift. And I really hope that he will be able to rebuild his life now and that you know, his family will be able to enjoy him, having been without him for such a long time and not knowing what had happened to him, that they will you know, hopefully be able to reunite as a family. We're still on the subject of cartoon characters. Mighty Mouse. Dr. Torres likes Mighty Mouse. Denise, um, I loved Mighty Mouse. No, never come across Mighty Mouse. I wonder if Mighty Mouse is in any way similar to Danger Mouse. The funny thing is, Danger Mouse was a spoof of a, quite a popular, um, sort of serious drama called Danger Man. A bit like, you know, The Saint and Avengers and all these things that were very popular at the time. Um, there was one called Danger Man. And Danger Man has disappeared without trace, but Danger Mouse is still as popular as ever. Danger Mouse and his little hamster sidekick Penfold and Colonel K, who's this Raphael Dowd, who gives them orders, and... The evil toad Baron Greenback, who is very, very German because all villains in classic British comedy are German. Um, and his sidekick, um, I can't remember what it is, oh, Stiletto, who just says, see si, Baroni all the time. And a white caterpillar called Nero. It's, it's high art. Okay, I'm not selling it well, but Danger Mouse is definitely high art. There we are. Um, but... 
yeah, that's the, the good news of the day. But on the subject of nursing homes, I mentioned um, some weeks ago that there was a court case ongoing. Two nurses were on trial accused of sedating elderly patients on their stroke unit simply to have an easy shift. They were accused of drugging patients so that they wouldn't have to do anything, basically, that they would just make them sleep because they were lazy and not just lazy, but quite nasty. They sent very disparaging texts about their patients to one another um, with, um, you know, saying things like, I sedated one of them to within an inch of her life, LOL, bet she's flat for a week, ha ha. I'm going to kill bed five, XXX. If bed five starts, he will be getting sedated to hell. Um, and they were found guilty. Um, their names are Catherine Hudson, 54, um, and Charlotte Wilmot, 48. Hudson was jailed for seven years and two months, whereas Wilmot was sentenced for three years. Um, the drugs regime in the stoke, stroke ward was described as dysfunctional. There was free and easy access to controlled drugs. Um, there was frequent theft by staff of drugs and inappropriate drugging of patients, sometimes to dangerous levels. Um, Judge Roger, sorry, Judge Robert Altham said that the defendants had a duty to protect and care for patients who were as vulnerable as anyone could be. They exploited them for an easy shift for amusement and exercised contemptuous power over them. One of the, the victims was uh, 76 years old. She'd suffered a stroke while on holiday. Her son, Brian, said that he, he, he was able to address one of the nurses who was standing in the dock, and he said, the way you spoke about patients is beyond belief and nothing short of wicked and pure evil. Thanks to the bravery of a student nurse in highlighting you and your evil and uncaring ways, it has most likely saved my mother's life. And the judge also commended the student nursing. It was only as a result of her courage and sense of public duty that what was happening on the ward was exposed and stopped. And I have great respect for this student nurse it's incredibly intimidating when you're the student when you're the kid on the ward you know you're trying to get along you know you're trying not to upset anyone get on the wrong side of anyone and you see something that you know is wrong that is really frightening she must have felt incredibly isolated but she did the right thing she reported those two nurses they are behind bars where they belong to be and they will never be allowed anywhere near a hospital ward again. They will never be allowed. They will never be left in the care of vulnerable patients, to care for vulnerable patients again. I mean, what they did was absolutely disgraceful. Um, and there were others, in fact, who were also convicted, who got smaller sentences, shorter sentences. Um the fact that drugs could be so easily stolen is really terrifying. This is coming not so long after the Lucy Letby case. Lucy Letby was a neonatal nurse, you remember, who's now, they think, probably the worst serial killer 
I think she's, she's certainly the worst child killer in British history, um, according to you know, the, just the numbers she, she was responsible for killing. And it's just yet another reminder that the most vulnerable patients need a lot of protection. You know, little babies can't speak out, but neither can seriously disabled stroke patients particularly when they're being heavily drugged by unscrupulous staff. So, um, you know, huge, huge respect for the student nurse. I'm sure she will make a wonderful nurse. She deserves a, a good career and a good life. Um, she certainly saved the lives of some of those patients. Um, Mighty Mouse, Dr. Torres. No, no, I didn't. Um, Mr. Trouble. Who's Mr. Trouble? Erin Akima, only seven years, attempted murder in seven years. That's atrocious. I bet those who pray outside an abortery get as much or more. Um, I think they will have, they will not have been sentenced for attempted murder because I don't think there was, I don't think there was ever any intention to kill anyone. They literally were just trying to put them to sleep so they didn't have to bother looking after them. The charge was Hudson, Catherine Hudson was found guilty of giving unprescribed sedatives to two patients. It's a serious offence, but it's not as, it's not anyway as serious as attempted murder. Um, you know, nurses are, well, nurses are not permitted to give unprescribed drugs. I mean, it's just, you know, that, that is a very, very well known, very well understood protocol in medicine. And some of them also got, um, convictions for theft of drugs so yes it's it was a very distressing case but i am glad that justice has been done that they are going to prison that they will be struck off um ron is saying planned parenthood would have hired those nurses in a second well i did wince reading the copies the transcripts of text messages these people had sent to these nurses had sent to each other so-called gallows humor where they're very insulting about their patients because one thing i remember is um abby johnson talking about the deliberately disparaging way that they used to talk about babies you know they'd they deliberately use terms like you know abortery because they they knew that that was what their so-called enemies called it they'd refer to the place where the bodies were refrigerated as the nursery um they went out of their way to be as insulting as possible because i suppose that was the only way they could cope with what they were doing was to try to dehumanize the little babies they'd killed um philip is saying manslaughter or, neg or negligent homicide nobody actually died as a result of them drugging them or they would have gone they, they would have got a lot longer sentences um however as erin akima is saying they joked about killing patients they knew they were close to killing them that makes it worse than giving regulated drugs yes i'm inclined to agree with you about that i think there probably just is not a criminal charge that quite fits it um that they were endangering life by doing that um by by giving unprescribed drugs to very vulnerable patients, they must have had some understanding that they were taking a big risk. They probably thought that if they died, though, nobody would notice because they were, some of them were probably very close to death anyway. I'm guessing that's one of the reasons they were so cavalier in their attitude to the elderly patients because they probably just thought, well, who's going to 
who's going to question it if a stroke victim succumbs. Um, I have just had some wonderful news. It's literally just flashed onto my screen. My former parish priest has been appointed a bishop. And he's wonderful. I am so, so excited. Father Christopher Whitehead, my former parish priest, wonderful priest, wonderful man, has been appointed bishop. This is really, really good news. We always thought he was going places, but you never quite know with the establishment the way it is. That is really, really wonderful news. And just to see it flash up in front of me, that has made my day. Um, Erin Akeem is saying that's, that's the nursing home mentality, especially after COVID. I must say that I was very frightened when I worked in a nursing home. I was really, really scared by just how poor the level of care was of the elderly people there. They all had very severe dementia. Um, they were completely helpless. And the nursing home was constantly understaffed, constantly, constantly understaffed. There were never enough nurses and care assistants on duty to look after them, um, not even to give them the proper minimum care. It was like an assembly line. We'd rush round in the mornings trying to clean them up and dress them and then go all the way around again and give them all their breakfast and their morning medications then go all the way around with their cups of tea and then go all the way around with their lunch because it would take so long to get round everyone it was literally you know several hours just to do the round when if, when there were only two of us sometimes three on duty and that was just trying to get them the minimum there was no time to talk to them to reassure them to treat them, frankly, like people rather than numbered patients. Um, that was why I really, I really did decide that I would never allow my parents to end up in a nursing home because I just don't, I don't trust the nursing homes in my area. Having said that, my husband's granny, yes, the Catholic nurse, the Catholic nursery, the Catholic nursing home she was in, it was run by nuns. And they really looked after her. So there are good nursing homes out there. But I just think you have to be so careful. And I think if you have elderly family, elderly relatives in a nursing home, you have to be going there constantly. You have to be going there very regularly, just keeping your eyes out, seeing are they being looked after properly? Are they being spoken to properly? Uh, when my nun was in a nursing home in her final years, because she had very severe dementia and she actually became a bit of a danger to herself, um, on one occasion we were visiting and we heard uh, the one of the care assistants talking to another patient, a male patient, by his surname. And my mother looked at her and said, sorry, who do you think you're talking to? That's an old man you're referring to. I said, "Oh, sorry, sir, Mr. Kotaya, Mr. Mr. Kotaya, let me let me take you let me take you down to the, to have your tea." Um, it's little things like that. They may seem like small details, but they say a lot for the kind of mentality, the kind of atmosphere there is in a nursing home. Um, so, no, I'm not I'm not impressed with care of the elderly. Um, on on a not unrelated subject, I'm currently reading a book which I will review called Children of Men, which is a kind of futuristic dystopian novel where no children are born for years 
and they realise that a terrible disease has wiped out the world's fertility and there can be no more children ever again and the current population will just get older and older and older until there is nobody left. It's really, really scary. And I don't know, I sometimes feel, you know, when I'm read, reading the book, there are so many details where the author was clearly seeing the combination of antinatalism and disrespect for the elderly and where it would go. Really scary. Anyway, let me think of something a bit more cheery to uh, throw at you in our last few minutes, because it's all a bit bleak, isn't it? Aha! On this day, on this day, in 1984, my least favourite Christmas song ever was released. Do They Know It's Christmas Time by Band-Aid. It entered the charts at number one and stayed at the top for five weeks. At the time, it was the biggest selling single ever in the UK, with sales of over three and a half million. I can't stand this song. It is still played in public places over the Christmas period, well, from about November every year. I don't like it because it was supposed to save Africa, but it did not include a single African artist. Um, and... It's really patronising. Feed the world. Do they know it's Christmas time? They don't know it's Christmas time. Um, but yes, as an activist friend of mine pointed out, we're a majority Christian continent. So yes, we do know it's Christmas time. In fact, we know it better than you do. And um, oh dear, what's this, Jacqueline? And what have you done? Um, Oh, um, oh, yes. <laughs> yes, they do, in fact, know and Mary knew as well. Oh, no, actually, I think I think Mary, did you know, maybe a little bit further up the list of ones I don't like very much. OK, this is always this is the debate every Christmas. Is Mary, did you know, heretical? OK, we've got one minute to hammer this one out. We might have to come back to this subject. Is it just me who every single time I hear that song, Mary, did you know? Yes. Stop mansplaining her pregnancy for her. Is it just me or is this a beautiful meditation on the role of Mary? And I'm just not getting it. I'd love to know answers in the chat room. Is it just me who gets spectacularly wound up by Mary, did you know? Anything that asks silly questions generally winds me up. Good morning, CRT Irwell. Just in time. Mike, are you there? Mary, did you know? Okay, is it just me? Do you, do you like this? Do you oh, like I hate this it. Hymn? Yeah, it drives it. me crazy. Oh. Of course she knew. Are. Yeah. It's just, it's the, it's the sort of... Everything about but it. But they time, sing it with such empathy, like, oh, you poor child. You didn't even know, you silly girl. I've heard it sung at mass. Oh, no. Oh, no, no uh, uh, heresy. Straight up. Yeah. Can't come out. That is, uh, that is an excommunicating offense. <laughs> you go. Oh, oh it's, it's just. But mind you, you also get that with the hymn Jerusalem. 
Do you have that hymn in the States? It's very English. I I don't think so. How does it go? Oh, wait. What is this? And did those feet... Look, think of um, think of Chariots of Fire. Okay. They sing it. It's, it's basically... It's, the sec- it's, it's known as the second song of England. Um, but it's it's a, f- a series of questions. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's pastures green? No, it didn't. Um, and was the holy lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? No. <laughs> and did the countenance divine shine out upon those clouded hills? No. And was Jerusalem built it here no. on England's green and pleasant land? No, it wasn't. <laughs> and yet it's a really rousing song and they sing it at football matches and things. Um, well, they, the fact that they sing it at football matches tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of patriotic anthem and that's where the, the, um, the title of the film Chariots of Fire comes from that song. I thought it was... Dun, 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 dun. Dun, 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 dun. No, 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 no. That's the, that's the that's the theme tune of the of the of the film. But the the title, Chariots okay. of Fire, uh, okay. it comes from you know, bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire, bring me my spear, O oh, clouds unfold, bring me my chariots of fire, and that's that's the line that makes ah, the ah. title of the film. Yes. Okay. okay uh, so, uh, Lady Bellarmine, before you go into work, stay in your car for a minute, and let me explain to you. I'm not going to mansplain to you. I'm going to explain to you. <laughs> Why what you wrote in there is wrong and how we know it's wrong. So there is a a book that is called the Proto-Evangelium of St. James. Now, it's not the, it, it never made it as a gospel because the church fathers, Augustine, Origen, and others, determined that uh, there were things in there that were not correct. That doesn't mean everything in the book is wrong. Now, remember, St. James was very close to Our Lady. As a matter of fact, the first apparition in the world happens where? Fiorella. Pardon? Spain. Our Lady of the Pillar. Our Lady of the, in Spain, they call it Our Lady, uh, uh, Our Lady de Pilar. Yes, that's or, why you get people called Pilar. Because he's getting ready to basically apostatize because the Spanish natives won't listen to the gospel and they're chasing him, hunting him down. And she says, no, no, you will not leave my son. And as a sign to you, I will be with you and build me a chapel right here on this very site, which is still there today, to this day. So in the Proto-Evangelium of, of, uh, of St. James, and the, you know, not everything is written down. Uh, there's a lot to, that comes to us from sacred tradition. It's just passed down from uh, generation to generation. Um, in the Proto-Evangelium of St. Saint, uh, Saint James, we get a pretty good history from Our Lady's mouth herself, and maybe even from an interview with St. Anne, of Our Lady's upbringing. She was, uh, she was one of those girls that was dedicated to the, ta- to the temple as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the boys would have been who may have had a calling to become rabbis or maybe even a high priest, uh, those children read the Holy Scriptures. She absolutely knew Jeremiah, Isaiah, and she knew the uh, the prophecy of the uh, uh, of the Virgin and of the coming of uh, of, of the Messiah. So did, did, so did Mary know? She absolutely knew, which is why... Go back and read the book of Genesis and all the and, and all the begots and begottens. Um, the first I don't the, the first uh, I knew man is Eve. 
God tells Moses to write down, and then Adam knew Eve and Abel and Cain. So when she says, how can this be? Because I know not man. Not only is she acknowledging that she knows what's happening, but she's also, I mean, that's her knowledge of, 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 of the scripture there. So, yes, she absolutely knew. No doubt that she knew. And as she knew what that entailed, especially, you know, you those of you wonderful tender souls out there that have a devotion to the seven sorrows, uh, the uh, seven dolors of Our Lady. If you know the sorrows, you have to know the joys too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a joy. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a mystery. It's a joyful mystery. And I have never heard any priest preach upon the joyful mystery and give any indication whatsoever that that Mary, that Our Lady did not know. Of course yeah. she knew. Yes. So there you go. There we are. Okay. That's, that's nailed that one then. Yeah, it's like Cesare said. That's why she hesitated because she she she's going like, me? You're picking me? That, that, that knows not man. She knows it. When she said, I know not man, you have to understand that she's, she's fulfilling a type. It's yeah. foretold in the Old Testament. Mm. So, yes, she knew. Yes. Okay. Right. There we are. <laughs> so Yes, can... Lady Bellarmine. It does make her fiat that much more beautiful. Absolutely. She knew what she was signing up for. You know, some of the fathers of the church, Fiorella, actually said that she, not only did she knew, but at that moment she was told, she was shown what would ultimately happen? Hmm. She knew of the sorrows to come. Remember, there's in St. Luke, she says that she kept these things in her heart. Yes. Well, that's, it is the, the fathers of the church and some of the doctors say, well, that's what she kept in her heart. She knew of the uh, of the passion. Um, it's great that we have the, these little radio shows to discuss these things. I, I, I really like and hmm. appreciate the opportunity uh, to share just a little bit of what I have learned uh, about that, because I could see how someone can make that a question. Did Mary know? Mm. <laughs> Don't, yes, she knew. Don't ever repeat it. <laughs> well, I think um, the, the author claimed that he wrote it because he was thinking if he could have a conversation with Mary, what would he ask her? That's a good um, If you could have a conversation, what would you ask her? That's a great show topic. Yes. Should we do it? Uh, you should do it. Okay. <laughs> Don't drag me into this. I'm scared of where this is going to go, but yeah, all right. I think it'll go just fine. <clears throat> so, uh, now, now, which daughter can do an, uh, a double axle is a big yeah. deal. Oh, yeah, that's Francesca. Try Look, all of you fat guys out there, try doing a double axle in sneakers. <laughs> Not on ice, I, on ground. <laughs> yeah, it's basically, it's sort of what, what separates the, the women from the girls. It's a really difficult jump. Who was, there was, there was one figure skatress that could do it, I mean, she was known for, was it Katarina Witt that could do a um, triple axel? Well, of course, Tonya Harding. Mm-hmm. Um, was oh, that's right, Tonya Harding could do a triple yeah, axel. Yeah, she was the first, well, she was the first, she wasn't the first woman to land one in competition, but she was the first American woman to land one in competition. The tragedy is all she'll ever be remembered for is the, the that scandal, but she was a phenomenal skater. Oh, she was... So really, it's yeah, very, she, very sad. She really. probably would have won... Uh, she probably would have won a gold medal at Olympics. Uh, well, she's, the thing is, she, she had a bad skate. She, she had a bad skate. That that, that Olymp- Her final Olympics, she, she just had a bad skate, and it happened. You know, she came seventh, I think, having been tipped to do better. But the fact is, you know, she... 
she did not she did not make good choices but she also did not have good role models either you know anyone that uh, it, it does not have an appreciation for what can what those men and women do on skates has obviously never tried to ice skate yeah I have become I became a lot more patient with my children when I got onto the ice myself <laughs> are you um, I, I when I got on the ice I, I took my daughters when they were like three years old to an ice rink and I had ice skated before I kind of knew how to I mean I knew the basics and they were insistent, no, no, it looks like so much fun. And then when Madison got out on the ice, she absolutely panicked because she fell. <laughs> and yeah. it was in a job. she was little. I mean, it wasn't a big fall. And I had to make the entire lap around the rest of the rink with her basically strapped on as an appendage to my right thigh. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. Being on it's ice skates, scary. if you don't know what you're doing, it's scary. Yeah, it's terrifying. And, of course, <laughs> you know, and I see it, you know, I see it in the public sessions, all these, um, well, even not just adults, teenagers clinging to the barrier, just desperately trying to stay to stay up, upright. You know, it's, it's not natural at all. It's very slippery. You're on a very narrow, sharp edge. It just shouldn't really happen. And I bet um, you that probably the number one injury amongst uh, all people that, uh, that skate, uh, that attend to or go to ice rinks is probably broken wrists and broken arms. Um, well, probably ones who just do it for fun. Yes, it would be things like that. Um, it's, it's not. It's not hard to fall and just naturally stick your hand out to catch your fall. <laughs> yeah, it, it tends to be. I mean, proper sort of professional level skaters tend to do things like um, they have unfortunate accidents with blades and things, which we won't go into here. We, we, we um, have talked about that before. Yeah, but yes, I think if you're coming out on the first, you know, for the first time, yes, it's it's usually broken ankles or broken wrists. They usually wear helmets. If, if you're sensible, did you wear a helmet when you went on the ice? I did not. It did not. Um, yeah. But I also, uh, in, in addition to not being able to ice skate, I can't rollerblade either. Really? Well, is, because isn't, isn't, roller, isn't rollerblading a big thing in the U.S.? Okay, it, it is. But I used to. I grew up as a teenager, and I would go every Friday. I was actually pretty good on on regular roller skates with four wheels. Okay. So your stopper on your roller skates is at where? It's on your toes. Yeah. A rollerblade stopper is on your heel. Yeah. So it's a completely different. I didn't have an issue with the balance. It was the stopping I couldn't get. Sure, I think that's generally a problem with any anything which is fast. So I didn't. Uh, I just never pursued it because I fell enough times and ran into things because I couldn't figure out how to stop with my heels. Well, actually, this will make you smile. But when my my youngest child first learned to <laughs> ice skate, um, she was speeding across the ice rink, and of course, it's soundproof. There's the soundproof multiplex um, barriers, and I could hear her see her mouth open. I thought, I wonder what she's shouting. And I went to the door, and she was shouting, "Help!" Because she didn't know how to stop. They'd be so keen to get her started, they forgot to tell her how to stop. She was, she was speeding around in complete panic, not at all in control. <laughs> they should, they, they usually have uh, okay they probably don't call them referees but kind of like uh, um, assistants aides out there that are in striped uniforms yeah or, they have a they have a sort of luminous tabard <clears throat> they call, and they've got ice so if they see someone that, in yeah. trouble they can help yeah like um, uh, you know this guy's coming around his turn he's not going to be able to stop <laughs> yeah, they usually, they usually have at least a couple. And then if somebody does have a fall, they blow the whistle and um, get everyone to go over to the side. 
Yeah, when I uh, was was skating as a teenager, I mean, there were guys, and we had a full size skating rink, you know, one of those small ones. There mm-hmm. were guys, and they, they would do a they would do a speed skate, and yep. the, the referee people that they, they, they would they would you would go up to actually go out on the speed skate, and that they would only let the ones in the boys in that they knew could actually do it. Yeah, very sensible. Well, yeah, because when you get into speed skating, especially when there's no, you know, there's no bank turn. Yeah, and the, uh, the, and the blades are much longer as well. Well, no, I'm talking about roller skates, not not. Oh, not okay, ice. sorry, right. Okay, so when yeah, you're in a roller skating rink, you got to uh, you you've got to be able to n- n- navigate that turn, but they pretty much do it the way an ice skater does. You're leaning over like a 40, 40 degree angle, and you're using your your right hand to make that turn. Your hand's probably touching the ground. Yeah. You know, as you're crossing your legs over, because, you know, you have to do that really fast in order yeah. to make the turn. Roller skate was fun. I used to yeah. love skating. Well, they banned, they banned, I, I used to like roller skating, but they banned rollerblades at my school when a girl fell and um, dislocated her knee. That was, she, that was unpleasant. She fell roller skating? Rollerblading. Oh, rollerblading. Yeah, her, her blade caught in a, just a crack or something between two paving stones and she just fell awkwardly. So uh, okay, so we solved all the world's problems with with roller with roller yeah, skating. Please. Now, in addition to the double axle, are there any other like professional level moves that she can do? Oh, well, she can do all the double jumps, and she's now working on the triple jumps. Okay, do 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 ice skaters, figure skaters in competitions? Do they still have to do what do we call them? Uh, they used to have to do things called the requisites. We have um, to skate a figure yes. eight. Um, no, they don't have that anymore. But there's usually. Um, there are certain things they will have to have in their program, like a double axle, for example. And also, they every season they will say, you know, you have to have a Lutz jump or you have to have a flip jump or something like that. Okay, so when I was a little chairman and watching the Olympics back in the late 70s and through the, uh, the 80s, they would, and you wouldn't see this on television covers, but they would show you kind of behind the scenes. Those figure skaters would have to do a routine called, uh, I'm almost certain it was called the requisites. And you basically had one of them, the one that I remember the most is you had to be able to skate a figure eight, perfect figure eight, and you had to be able to skate over it three times. Oh, that's what they used to call field moves. Okay. All right, field yeah. moves. Yeah, they that's... Got, I think that only changed in the 90s. So they don't yeah, have they, to do that anymore? No, they have to do something else called skills, um, where it's, it's similar, it's edges and turns and things like that, um, but it's a little bit more elaborate. So, um, now you said flip. Can your children flip on skates? Oh, no, a flip is just a, a type of jump. Okay, so yeah. you're not actually doing head down, feet over no, the no, top. No. Those are illegal <laughs> moves. Okay. Yeah, they're not allowed to do them because of the risk of breaking your neck, I suspect. Um, But you you used to see it, though. If you see competitions from, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you you used to see people do that sometimes. Uh, There was an American skater. I'm trying to remember his name. He could do, he ended his routine in like the 84 Olympics with a backflip. Yeah. Um, I think they banned it just, either somebody got hurt or... They just decided it was too risky. They do occasionally do that. There are a number of moves that are illegal. It's um, called a drill eagle? No, um, no there, there are a number of moves that are illegal just because oh, they, they were they illegal. Feel, they feel oh, yeah, okay, I gotcha. They're, they're, just, they're disproportionately risky, you know, in terms of what might happen. 
Well, Um, all of you listeners out there will be, I hope all of you that ordered your maple syrups uh, got them. We got ours yesterday. Do do you you get maple syrup? What do you, what do you use for, well, you probably don't make pancakes or hotcakes or whatever. Oh, no, we have pancakes. Okay. Every, every, every Sunday we have pancakes. Okay. So what do you, what do you, do you use syrup or just jam or what do you use? Well, the, the traditional thing is lemon juice and sugar. That's what I thought. Um, yes, but we do also have golden syrup, maple syrup, honey, jam, whatever. Okay, whatever so we have, uh, we, I interviewed the, uh, the young man last Friday uh, whose family runs a mapling farm. And <laughs> about 30 of our listeners placed orders for <laughs> right. We just oh, it, it was the it was the biggest sales day in that little company's history. Wow, that's last, great. Thing. Yeah, last Friday, our listeners, you guys just uh, blew the Cermak family away. They could not believe it. You bought them out, basically, of all their maple syrup. So we got ours Ooh. yesterday. So I am uh, excited uh, about French toast tomorrow morning with real maple syrup. That's great. So Proper maple syrup. Um, it is a free phone Friday, free farm Friday. Uh, have a splendid uh, weekend. Who's the saint today? I didn't even look. Who is it? I haven't looked yet. I'm ashamed to say. It is. Attleboro of Metz, who I have not heard of. Um, I no believe idea. that next Tuesday, see, Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Monday, that's right. So next Tuesday begins the O Antiphons. And there okay, are, you're way ahead of me. Well, there are seven O Antiphons, and they leave, or maybe it's Monday, there are seven O Antiphons that lead up to Christmas Day. And they're right. from the 9th or 10th century, and they spell out aerocras, which in Latin, that's backwards. If you reverse aerocras, it says, tomorrow I come. So the last okay. o-, o antiphon ends on Christmas Eve. Oh, Cesare says Sunday. Okay, they begin Sunday. So we'll begin right. the O antiphon Sunday. And then next week, uh, the way the calendar works out is then Ember Week. So you actually have a couple of penitential days leading up to Christmas Eve. So you have Ember Wednesday, Friday, of course, and then Ember Saturday. Um, uh, yes, and then Christmas Eve and all that. So a big week next week. Looking forward to it. And, the, of course, on Thursday, we will do the drawing for the Merry Manly Christmas. There's over 1,000 tickets sold so far. That's great. Yes, Excellent. over 1,000 tickets have been purchased. So that's really good news. Not there yet, folks. That's that's not that's not getting to the goal, but it is certainly a nice chunk of it. So uh, we'll do another giveaway, and we'll play the soundbite just in a couple of minutes here, and we shall. Uh, did you would you get by, by get it by a chance? Did you get a chance to listen to the entire Chanticleer of Ave no, Maria? Not yet. Uh, not yet. I will. Okay. Well, I'm going to play it on the way out. Oh yes, please do. And we'll see you Monday. See you, Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. It is now 34 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from wet England. Don't forget to write to me at fiorella at crusadechannel.com and the chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I will now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You are listening to the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Yeah.
Maria Dixit, Ece Ancilla Domini, Fiat Mici Secundum Velum Tu, 